Hi, this is Greg Weissman, the creator of Gargoyles and one of the producers of Young Justice. And you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is kind of on the cusp of the latest news, or at least we are today. That's the, a long tagline for the podcast. But here we are with the second official regular monthly feature where we talk about the month's news and trailers and other stuff. So joining me to break this down and talk about their opinions on things like release dates is Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello. How be you this evening? Oh, I'm doing all right just you know i've been out partying clubbing i've been to some great gigs in the last week all of that is untrue i've been here in the same room looking at these same screens for so long so long craig it's been too long don't worry music festivals in england by the end of august yes yeah maybe a bit too soon for that maybe (laughs) unless you're going in a bubble like one of those hermetically sealed bubbles Maybe that's our social distancing measure they're putting in place. Be like that guy in the Meg that was running on that bubble <laughs> before the Meg tried to kill him. I don't know if it actually killed him. I can't remember. It's a stupid film. Spoilers for the Meg. Spoiler Spoilers collection. for the Meg. There's, there's <laughs> stuff that happens in the Meg. A shark tries to eat people in the Meg. You will never believe it. You'll never see it coming. No way. Okay, so we're here to talk about some stuff, just stuff. There's a list of stuff that we're going to get through and express our opinions on. I did this with Aaron last month. He hated everything, but he always does. He <laughs> needed more information or just didn't like stuff. So we'll see. We'll see if you are any more positive. You have that sweeping negativity to beat. So the gauntlet <laughs> is laid down. If I like at least one thing, then I'm the positive that, contributor. That's it. Right, that's cool. it. Yeah, it's a very low bar to clear, but it can be clear. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we're doing. So let's start with a bit of... What we've been watching, so what have you been watching over the last month? Or, well, you weren't on last month. What about the last two months? What have you been watching? Last couple of months, what have I been watching? Well, comedy-wise, Last Week Tonight is back, John Oliver. I always quite like watching that on a weekly basis. Netflix Snowpiercer has returned. We are four or five episodes in, I think, to the season now with Snowpiercer, and I've been enjoying it. It's not been as good as the first season, I don't think, but I have been enjoying the way it's been going. It's been quite good fun. And obviously Division has been a big part of my week. The first few episodes I was kind of catching on maybe a Saturday or a Sunday or the following Monday, where now I want to watch it immediately <laughs> as soon as I can. <laughs> cool. So is that everything you've been watching or is there anything else that you want to remark upon? I think that's it. I'm sure I'll end up remembering something partway through a chat. I think the last time I was on one of these podcasts, these sort of junk drawer podcasts, I said that I've been doing a lot of rewatching of stuff. And one of my recent rewatches has been Stargate SG-1, which I liked <laughs> years ago. So I've been watching a bit of Stargate again, of all the things to pick up. But anyway, yeah, that's about it. 
Did that just appear on like a streaming service somewhere? I'm sure someone told me that it was due to appear on one. It hasn't popped up on one of my streaming services, but I've got a copy of it already. So I just kind of started picking it up and I don't know what made me start. <laughs> it was one of those. I think I saw an advert for the film Stargate. <laughs> And then that made me think, oh, do you know what? I should watch a bit of SG-1 again. And I went back to the start and I've ended up watching my way through it. <laughs> well, if you factor in the spin-offs, that's like 17 seasons of television and a couple of films. So keep me going until next lockdown, probably. Yeah, I've not started Atlantis yet. I might move on to Atlantis. And I didn't quite like Universe, the Robert Carlyle one. I wasn't a fan of that Stargate one. Voyager, as some people called it, I think. Stargate Voyager. Yeah. Because they're on a ship that's on the other side of the galaxy and they're trying to get back or something. I don't know. I didn't watch it, but people <laughs> called it Stargate Voyager. So that's my connection to it. That's all I know about it. I need to know anything else? Probably not. Never going to watch it. I'll wait till the reboot. I'll try Stargate when they reboot it. That's going to happen one day. There's been talk for so long of like a new Stargate thing in the works. They keep saying, are MGM going to reboot it or are they going to do something that's continuing on? And a lot of the creatives are saying, no, we want to continue on the story because it's got all this established canon rather than completely starting from scratch again. So it'll be interesting. Watch the space, literally, because it's Stargate. There we go. Mm. I did that. <laughs> uh-huh. For me, I've not really been watching a lot of stuff I wasn't watching last month. I haven't gone and watched random other things. WandaVision, I'm loving WandaVision. You can listen to the unconnected Slightly more successful podcast over on the We Made Bits Network where I talk about it almost once a week. I've missed one episode that I wasn't on and I'm on the last two, which by the time this is out, one of them will probably be out. So I'll be on the last one, which will be out at the end of this week as of the release date of this podcast. So that's cool. There's only a couple of episodes left. I'm really enjoying it. I love WandaVision. I think it's great being in the whole Arrowverse space Batwoman and Black Lightning have been really good. I watched Superman and Lois today as of recording the first episode and thought it was excellent. Oh, really? Yeah, really. I think it's really good. It's a really interesting take on such iconic characters and it looks amazing. The Arrowverse, as much as they pull off quite a lot with their resources, it kind of looks a bit cheap sometimes or it looks like they cut corners and a lot of their sets aren't that interesting to look at and things. This looks cinematic is the best word for it. And I wonder if they've just pumped a fortune into the pilot to make it look great. And then we're going to go back to slightly less interesting vistas and visual flair to look at in the coming episodes. But I've no idea. I really hope that it maintains that level of quality or they manage to sort of fake that level of quality. But we'll see. But it's great. If you haven't watched it, then watch it if you're able to. It's definitely on my list as something to pick up. I've been looking forward to it. The trailer, when I saw it, was really interesting. And what you've said there hasn't put me off. There is always that thing of the opening few episodes of the opening season where they throw a lot of money at it to give it a good running start. And you look at the very expensive establishing shots and everything, you're like, oh, that looks <laughs> great. And then you're yeah. still seeing that establishing shot three years down yeah. the line and the shine has come off it somewhat. I will always say that the second episode of a TV show is the most important one. Because the first episode is the pilot. They'll throw more resources at it. They'll maybe even try things that they don't pick up later on, especially if the pilot happens before they get a series order. You might find that they make changes between the two things. So the second episode is where you get a feel for what the show actually is versus what they want it to be based on a lot of money 
extra for their pilot. So we'll see if the second episode continues to dazzle me. So far, I have no reason to doubt it, but we'll see. Weekly show with Superman in it, amazing, so good. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's been a while since, but what I guess was the last so. one? Smallville, I suppose, would be the last one that counts. Doesn't really count, I suppose, because he was never Superman. He was Superman in everything but name by the end of it, and his ability to fly, which he couldn't do until the final episode. But yeah, let's not make the <laughs> Smallville podcast. No, that's another day. Okay, so that's about all I've been watching. I can't think of anything else. If anything comes to mind as we're going, I will make sure to mention it. So let's get on to some trailers. There's a big list of trailers. It's not that long a list. It's a small list of trailers. So here we are again. First of all, with the bloody Snyder Cut, there's somehow another trailer. I don't know how or why, but there is. This one, again, I'm not seeing a whole <laughs> lot of difference or a whole lot to make me think, mm, this is going to be way better than the last one. There is different footage in it. You get to see Dark Side and another view of Steppenwolf and some more dialogue that may or may not be interesting. Black suit Superman looking angry with his red eyes. And the Joker reviving a tired internet meme by saying we live in a society. So that's great. Thank you, Zack Snyder, for subjecting us to that again. Great job. Thank you for doing that. Not. Again, I'm still not that excited about this cut or whatever it's going to be, this new film, this really expensive vanity project. I don't know. I'm not that interested at this point. I'm kind of done with the whole thing, but I'll still be watching it. But the trailer, I'm not that fussed about it. It looks a lot like the last one, but with less jokes, I suppose. It looks really similar to what we've seen already. They keep adding in additional bits, and I'm like, okay, so it must be as they're finishing all their different reshoots, that's them throwing that into the trailer to go, look, there is another scene that you've not seen. Look, there it is, there it is, look. This isn't in the original, hmm. there it is. Look, 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 new stuff, new stuff. Look, 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 definitely. This is all completely new. And yeah, I'm a bit like you. I'm in the mode now where I just want it released already. I'm fed up of hearing about it. I'm fed up with the news about the discourse about it. Just release it. Get it over and done with. It'll either be the best remake of a film that we've ever seen, or it will just go down in history as something that they did for HBO Max. And there you go. Done. <laughs> it's guaranteed a worldwide release as well, which is fine. It was going to roll out worldwide, whether they officially sanctioned it or not, let's face it. But it's going out worldwide in the same day. So we'll have to figure out what we're going to do about it in terms of coverage. We'll do something. We'll do a chat about it. I know Aaron will want to talk about it because he likes that dark universe. Not to be confused with the dark universe, Mm. which began and ended with The Mummy. That's a very different dark universe. But Aaron likes this dark universe. So I know he'll want to talk about it. And if not, I will make him. There will be a podcast that appears. I mean, I'm still all for us playing back our original Justice League podcast and then occasionally hitting pause when we need to update a <laughs> reference. Yeah. So what did you think of when Batman fights cross out Steppenwolf and put Darkseid or Desad or one of his other henchmen? <laughs> exactly. That's how it'll work. And there's also going to be a big post credit scene cameo or something like that, which 
has apparently been revealed, though I didn't look at it, so I'll, I'll find out on the day. Because what I really love is watching post-credit scenes that tease things that will never happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you look at this and you go, well, this has been out already, so anything that it was supposed to tease was supposed to get teased at the time to then get released. And if this is what the Snyder Cut was supposed to be, at the time, that's the whole point of the Snyder Cut, is this is exactly as it was supposed to be when this film originally came out, then it shouldn't be referencing anything that's about to come out because I've said they've changed the plan. Yeah. So otherwise, it's not the purist's <laughs> Snyder Cut. Yeah, apparently Warner Brothers wanted the raw footage with no special effects added and stuff. They were like, we'll just release this. Mm. So it would have been, you would get to a point and it would come up with a, a bit of text that says, and then the flash runs. <laughs> and then you got to the next scene where he's just standing there in front of a green screen saying stuff. Yeah, I'd kind of be interested in seeing that, to be fair. It would be unwatchable, though. It would be so funny. People would try and find ways to pretend it is a masterpiece. So I'm like, well, you got to finish it with the special effects. It might be watchable. We don't know. But this was allegedly the cut that was ready to rock and roll with a little bit of graphics added. This was what was meant to get released and everyone campaigned for. So, yeah. I'm glad that they dropped the idea of breaking it into four parts or five parts or however they were going to try and release this. I'm glad that they've sort of accepted their fate and are releasing it in just one block. Yeah, so now it's just a bladder test. Or it would be if you weren't at home. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. I won't be able to keep my eyes off it so i'll, I'll just need That's to sit it. on the sofa just the whole time. four hours glued to your screen just not to miss a second of it <laughs> okay let's move on this will be the last time we ever discuss pre-release stuff about the snyder cut apart from when i do the man of steel podcast with isaac it'll probably come up <laughs> but this is the last time on a monthly roundup that we'll discuss it in its pre-release form so relish that listeners drink it and enjoy You'll never hear us talk about it again until we release our podcast about the Snyder Cut. And then it comes up in news where he's making the sequel somehow with his own money or with the money of people that don't need. Yeah, Snyder Cut version of 2020, the thing that we don't need. It about sums this situation up, to be honest. This film that we keep hearing about that will never come out. (laughs) Or now is, but will never come out. Or it feels like it never will. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Next trailer, The Nivers. It's the not-anymore-Joss-Whedon-run TV show that's going to be on HBO Max as well. It's essentially Victorian Buffy, by the looks of things. It's a bunch of Victorian-era women kicking ass and using sort of technology that shouldn't exist and things like that. I think it looks pretty good. I'm not going to get into the whole Joss-Whedon situation because it's too big and... If you're listening, then you'll probably know what the situation is. But he dropped out as showrunner, citing this whole burnout thing that he was feeling and he didn't want to commit to a full TV show and things like that. And then a week later, stuff came out about him that's not very flattering. So you have to wonder what the real reason is. But this TV show, it looks good. Regardless of what people say about Joss Whedon, he's quite a rare and unique talent for character stuff and for things like this. And I think this looks like good fare from him. I think it looks like it's going to be quirky and fun and entertaining. So I'm going to definitely watch it. It's out in April, I believe. I think yeah, the trailer looks good. The cast look good. The effects look good. I'm not quite sure what it's really about, but it looks good based on this trailer. Yeah, when I watched it, 
I quite liked it. I like the Victorian aesthetic that it's got. There was like a really cool looking sort of steampunk car in there that I quite like the look of. It seems like it's mutants, but in the past kind of thing. You know, it's people with powers and abilities and it looks kind of cool. Like you say, you don't know too much about what the plot line is. It's got sort of a Sherlock Holmes vibes to it. It's got steampunk stuff in it. It's got people with powers. I don't know quite what the tone of the whole thing's going to be, but looks pretty cool. If it's Joss Whedon involved in scripting, it will be comedic to an extent and quippy. That will be mm. the tone it usually is. But yeah, I'll give it a watch regardless of who's involved. I think it'll be watchable. We'll see. Based on this one minute, 40 second trailer, whatever it is. But it's out in April, so it's not a far away. The next thing up, Debris, is a TV series that's actually out the day that this podcast is released. Release schedule is the first Monday of the month, which will be the 1st of March, which is the day it comes out. So I actually don't think I'm going to watch this. It's just some metal that defies gravity and some bodies that defy gravity. And there's a whole mystery thing. And it's from the producers of Fringe. I liked Fringe, but I kind of get the idea that this is just going to frustrate me, especially when it gets cancelled at the end of its first season and they never answer the mystery anyway. So I'm not that keen for this, to be honest. It looks okay, but I watched it and I was like, I feel like I've seen this a few times before and it's a little bit dated. Yeah, I was wondering how they were going to get away with an entire TV show about French cheese. (laughs) However, once I watched the rest of the trailer, I understood what was going on a little bit more. I'm a bit with you. These mystery box shows, unless they have a really sturdy plan for how they're going to roll this show out and how they're going to give enough interesting answers in the first season, but leave enough for you still to be interested in a second season without ending the first season with you sitting there going, hang on, you've given me no answers whatsoever, is really tricky. The graphics look really cool. The concept seems just interesting. It's something that I've not really seen. You've got bits of shrapnel that are warping gravity and transporting people through buildings, and it's all getting kept quiet on the hush-hush with a sort of international team looking into it. Yeah, it's interesting, but like you say, if they don't have interesting answers or they've not come up fully with their plans for the answers yet, then maybe it's not worth watching or worth getting invested in in the first place. might be one of those shows where if you hear they do get a season two, then it's worth watching. Yeah, or people might just be talking about it, but I don't know. doesn't grab me so far, so... I'm not that fussed about it. But it's out today if you're listening on release day. If you're listening after release day, it's been out for a bit, so you might have seen it. And if you liked it, more power to you, just based on this one trailer. It didn't grab me. Not very positive, but there it is. We'll be talking about it next month on the list of things that we're watching going, this is the best show ever! (laughs) Or I'll be saying, I have not watched that yet. Maybe one day. (laughs) That's my (laughs) usual default position on things that everyone's watching. (laughs) No, it's on the list. It's not on any list. There is no list. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do kind of have a list, but then I keep going back and watching 10 seasons worth of Stargate and I run out of room. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm still in the midst of a Star Trek rewatch and I decided to add Voyager, so that's me. That's my sort of mindless nighttime viewing. (laughs) So next up, I'm going to be positive about this, Mortal Kombat. I think this looks great. It's violent, but not to a ridiculous extent. It does look video game violence-ish. 
the characters all look right, the moves all look right, they say the right things, such as get over here and finish him and fatality. And they explain what a birthmark is as well, which is nice, in case you didn't know. It's like, that looks like a birthmark. What's that? It means you were born with it. Thank you. Thank you for telling me what a birthmark is. It's what I needed to know from this two-minute trailer. But yeah, I think it looks fun. looks like it'll be bizarre and silly and ridiculous and all that good stuff. And just a bit of a popcornish flick, I think, by the looks of things. I've not played the Mortal Kombat games, so I can't compare it. What? Yeah, I know. Sorry. Shock. <laughs> I've not played the games, so I can't compare it to that as much. But the trailer looks pretty cool. It looks a lot of fun. The graphics look good. Action sequences look neat. So, yeah, I'm up for this. It looks interesting. Yeah. We'll see it pretty soon. It comes out on HBO Max and stuff at the same time. So it's kind of disappointing we won't get to see it in a cinema and just revel in the lunacy and the violence and whatever. But we are where we are. We are who we are and we are in what we're in. So at least we can enjoy a bit of over-the-top cartoonish video game violence from the comfort of our own homes as we eat crisps or something. (laughs) The way video game violence should be enjoyed. Exactly. But not when you're using a controller because then you'll get crisp grease all over your controller and you don't want that. Okay, next up, we have a final trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier. At the time of recording, it's only mere weeks away from premiering, but this one gives you a bit more of a flavour of what to expect with a bit of buddy cop stuff. I like the couple's counselling scene they were in at the start. What annoys you most about Bucky or whatever? I really enjoyed that. That was good. I think the banter between them will carry the show. A bit of Sharon Carter in there. She's on the run, presumably after the Sokovia Accords. So we get some consequences of that. We get the government-sanctioned Captain America in a stadium and all that. So it looks like there's some stuff going on here. And as long as they keep the dynamic between them fresh, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, the trailer looks really, really good. This looks like the more traditional what I would expect from a Marvel TV show than what I've seen in WandaVision. I've been really enjoying WandaVision, but this looks like what you would expect the people who are a bit upset that WandaVision is exactly how they described WandaVision, I think will probably be more pleased with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like you say, the whole buddy cop, the dynamic between the two of them, we've seen a little bit of that in the films and they've really built on it. And now getting their own TV show, yes, I'm 100% for that. Yeah. It'll be on soon. A couple of weeks as of release date, so... Won't have long to wait and jumping ahead slightly, but they've confirmed that Loki will be on on June 11th. So there's going to be a bit of a break in terms of Marvel content, but Bad Batch is on May 4th. So I suspect the break is because they don't want to have Star Wars and Marvel competing for eyeballs because far be it from anybody to watch over an hour of television on one platform once a week. (laughs) Apparently we can't handle that. Yeah, it is a bit of that. (laughs) They do seem to now, after having a bit of a drought of content at the beginning Disney+, Plus, they do now seem to have a plan where they're going to have at least one May stay running at a time where you're going to have either a Star War or a Marvel thing running at any one time, especially with all the stuff they've announced. And they all look like they've had a ton of money spent on them. I mean, as much as I know that you're not a massive fan of the Mandalorian TV show, it looks amazing. The money is put on screen and it looks great. Yeah, it does. And you can listen to our Mandalorian podcast that was recently released 
At the time of recording, it wasn't released yet, but at the time of release, it will be. So look at that, time travel. We're doing it again, jumping around our own timelines. <laughs> so you can listen to that. That's yourself and Aaron talking about that. Yes, we hope you enjoyed listening to it in the past, but for us, <laughs> the future. Yeah, I wasn't on it, so that was good. I didn't have to do anything. It was nice. It was a nice feeling. Less Loki has went back in time and stopped the release of the Mandalorian podcast. Well, it's possible, but you'll just have to check your feed and find out. It's either there or it's not, but it should be there. If I've done my job right, it'll be there. <laughs> so, future Craig, I hope you did your job right. That's what I'm saying right now. Anyway, next trailer, Cruella, a.k.a. Disney's Joker. Emma Stone playing Cruella de Vil before she was Cruella de Vil. It's a bit like Maleficent, but not really. Maleficent was kind of a joke in a way. There was It was a dark joke, and Angelina Jolie seemed to be the only person sort of in on the joke. They had the, the removal of her wings, which is essentially a rape metaphor, and she rolled with it in her performance, and it worked really well. And then the sequel was pretty good as well, so... It painted her as a sympathetic villain. But I don't know how you're going to try and turn Cruella de Vil, who wants to kill a hundred and... Well, it's 99 puppies, because the adults count as the other two Dalmatians, don't they? Yeah, I think it's 99, yeah. Yeah, so she wants to kill 99 puppies so she can have a coat. But let's give her a bit of a tragic backstory or something so that we justify why she hates dogs. By the end of this film, you will hate dogs too. That should be the tagline. <laughs> I don't like the look of this at all. I just think it looks underwhelming. I like Emma Stone. I think she's good in a lot of things I've seen her and I'm sure she'll give a good performance here. But this trailer just looks iffy to me. I'm not a huge fan of what they're doing there. Yeah, I don't think this is for me. It's not made for me. It's maybe one of those things that because it's likely to get released on Disney Plus and I have Disney Plus then I'll put it on at some point and I probably will end up watching it and I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. The trailer, like you say, it's Disney's Joker. Let's give her a dark origin story. Let's see it from Cruella's point of view. She's a fashion maverick who's there to rock the system. Or walking into the party, that scene you see, she walks into the party and suddenly the whole dress catches fire and it changes into a different dress. And it's like, that's cool. You've reused that effect from the Hunger Games that we really <laughs> liked. That's a neat reveal. Well done. It's just, you go, okay, I guess, but do we really need this? And then in my head, I'm like, well, you know what comes after they do a live action Cruella, don't you? They do a remake of that already we've seen live-action Dalmatians. <laughs> well, you've already live-actioned that one. You don't need to re-live-action it. It's done already. But everyone. the remake will be from her point of view and we'll be expected to sympathise with her dog-murdering <laughs> ways. Yeah, it'll be redone from her point of view with even better CGI puppies, I can presume. They'll do better CGI dogs because the technology's moved on. But is it necessary? Were they CGI dogs this? before? No. I'm not sure. I think there was a bit of CGI involved and there was a bit of real dogs. I don't think there were 101 of them or 102 of them, if we count the sequel. I don't think there was that many of them, but yes, there were definitely some CGI dogs involved. We need 99 puppies for a really intense shoot before they get any bigger. <laughs> we need them to be trained precisely to do what we need them to do. So these conditions need to be met. <laughs> yeah, we also need some backup puppies. So we're talking about 150 puppies so that the second unit can do some establishing shots with our additional puppies. Thank you. Yeah, they'll need to be perfectly trained and we need to shoot the film in two days so that they don't age. 
<laughs> and what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's like that film with Anna Paquin and the geese. Apparently she had to imprint on a lot of young geese. Goslings, that's what they're called. <laughs> That's brilliant. There was like just generations of birds that just thought she was their mother or something like that. It's really weird. If you think about it, that, yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's normally for an actor, you would get a note going, oh, yeah, we're going to meet up a couple of weeks in advance and rehearse through these scenes and do some getting to know you sessions. But you, you've got to go off to this farm and imprint on the geese. Yep. Have fun. <laughs> it's when she was a child as well. Fly Away Home, I think the film was called. I think it's better when it's geese, but you wouldn't want to be working on snakes on a plane, would you? (laughs) Right, Samuel L. Jackson, we're going to get you around all these snake eggs. We need you to just be the first thing that they see. And then they'll imprint on you, (laughs) and they won't bite you, we hope. Are they poisonous? We'll check that. We're just going to hope they don't bite you. (laughs) Fingers crossed, Sam. We'll be fine. (laughs) I mean, if they bite you, you won't be able to cross your fingers, because... The poison will fill your veins and paralyse you within seconds. Just an FYI, just a bit of a warning. The insurance for this film is off the charts. We're not making it anymore because we can't afford the insurance. And the insurance is for the snakes. Please don't harm the snakes. If you don't want to do it, Tom Cruise probably does. So we'll be fine. And Tom, we're going to get you bitten by a bunch of snakes. Like, yeah, no problem. And then he runs in. I'd watch that, actually. Tom Cruise and running away from snakes. Tom Cruise v. Snakes. Yeah, why not? Snakes on Tom Cruise. Snakes on... A building that he's climbing. I don't know. We're getting way off track here. But Cruella, not great. Doesn't look great. So not that excited. That's my summary. I agree with your summary. We got a trailer. I hasten to call it a trailer for the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog. It's a title reveal. And we get a logo reveal. And you're not going to believe this, guys. They've decided to call it Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I mean, we really needed an animated trailer to tell us that. That's the best title ever. We'll get on to best titles ever later when we talk about Spider-Man, but geez, what a reveal. But it's coming out in April 2022, which is annoying because I kind of feel like Sonic should always be a Valentine's Day film. <laughs> it's the way it was intended to be seen as a Valentine's Day film. They might pull it forward. You never know. It might be clashing with something else and they'll pull it forward to Valentine's Day. But then they won't have time to fix the release of Knuckles <laughs> after they reveal him and everyone hates him and they need to fix him. <laughs> That's true. Well, we've already sort of seen in the post-credits, we've already seen Knuckles, haven't we? No, it was Tails. Was it Tails that we saw? Oh, sorry. Yeah. We saw Echidnas in the opening of the first one, though. They were the bad guys that were going to kill his owl adopted mother thing. But Knuckles might have been one of them. But there's a rumour he's going to be voiced by Jason Momoa, which would be hilarious. (laughs) Big tough guy, Knuckles. I like the sound of that. You've got me on board. Jason Momoa for Knuckles. Yeah. And then they'll release Sonic the Hedgehog 3, but then you have to buy the Blu-ray to get the rest of the film with Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. <laughs> Do that, it'd be half a film, and then you wait until the Blu-ray release and you get the other half. Yes. The way it was meant to be. And then you'll have to stack the disc on top of each other as well and insert it into your player somehow. <laughs> Just... That cartridge was mental. Good. It was the only game that ever did it on the Mega Drive. Just this... <laughs> cartridge that you plug other games into sonic games exclusively but it's crazy it was really crazy at the time i take it we can expect jim carrey to come back for this one yeah yeah we'd hope so he was good in the first one i think everybody might be back so you'll get james marsden again and whoever played his wife and whoever plays his sister-in-law maybe and the 
daughter of the sister-in-law because they're essential characters. <laughs> I wonder what other TV actors they'll rope in as well because you had Neil McDonough in the last one for one scene and oh, that's Ty true. from Battlestar Galactica as well. He was in one scene or maybe two scenes. To be fair, if I was a director or a casting director, that's the kind of thing that I would do. I would be like, I really liked them in that show and I want an excuse to hang out with them for a day and ask them all my questions. So I'm going to hire <laughs> them as a walk-on part yeah. for a day. That's exactly what I would do as a casting director with absolutely zero shame whatsoever. Well, Neil McDonough would have been a great Dr. Robotnik. You just would have had to shift his Damien Dark persona from Legends a little bit. I say from Legends because that's when he embraces the lunacy, whereas in Arrow he's a bit more villainous. But in Legends he's just cutting loose. So it would have to be that kind of performance. But he would have been a great Robotnik. And could you imagine him with a moustache as well? It would look great. It'd be kind of like the Dum Dum Dugan moustache, but... A different style of mustache. He would have been a good Robotnik, actually. He'd be excellent. I, I hope he's <laughs> Bring back. him back there as that. Go. That's who I want back. I want Jim Carrey, and I want him back as... Was it an army guy? I'm trying to remember what he was now. Yeah, he was like a general or a major or something like that. He was in charge of the base, except yeah. he wasn't because Robotnik was in charge of the base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> army general dude. We want him back as army general yeah. dude. Excellent. I liked Sonic the Hedgehog 1, so I'm looking forward to this one. And they know the design is good this time so they don't have to make a mess yeah. this time please don't tweak it in between times we don't need you to tweak it again you've, yeah, you've done it it's all good. so staying on the video game trail I've got a couple of trailers for video games because they're just ones I'm excited about we've got Mass Effect Legendary Edition which is a remaster of all three of the Mass Effect trilogy games coming out on all major platforms so PS4 Xbox 360 or Xbox... Xbox 360, that's old. Xbox One, I think. Oh, wow. No, it's not Xbox 360. Xbox One, and it'll be PC as well. So I love the Mass Effect trilogy. I already own them on the PS3, but I'll be buying this because I'm a sucker. <laughs> and then just rebuying games I already own, <laughs> but can play on my newer platform. So it'll work on the PS5. It's just not for the PS5. And I have a PS5, unlike half the country. So, yeah, there we go. But I'll be getting this. I think it looks pretty good. They've cleaned it up nicely. I've seen some of the side-by-side comparisons because sometimes you watch a trailer for it and even if you remember the game really well, you're like, I don't really see how this looks any better because your memory of it always looks better anyway. But when they show you the side-by-side stuff, they really show you what they've done to clean it up and it's really impressive. So I'll be getting this. So are you a fan of Mass Effect? Have you played any of the games? Are you going to be playing them with this release? I have played Mass Effect Andromeda, and I have played a big chunk of Mass Effect 2, and I really like the mechanics in it. I really like the gameplay, so yeah, totally up for this, getting a nice remastered version of all of it. It means I won't now go and buy the first Mass Effect or anything until this comes out, because now I can get it in a nice remastered way all at once. Yeah. And Mass Effect Andromeda, if you like that, geez, that's the crap one. <laughs> it's not the best. <laughs> exactly. I keep getting told, no, 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 you don't like that one. And I'm like, well, this is the first one I've done. Now I'm going back and play the other stuff, okay? Forgive me. I actually thought it was okay. I played through it once, but it's not as good as the trilogy. And let's not get into the ending of the third one, because you don't know what it is. But also, the controversy around mm. the ending was really tired. I didn't think it was that bad. There we go. <laughs> Shoot me down, internet, because I didn't <laughs> hate the Mass Effect 3 ending. So I'll look forward to playing through it again at some point when I buy it. I'll probably get this day one chip away at it. Pro tip, when you do buy it, go through his femship. The voice acting's better. That's female shepherd for you uninitiated video game player listeners that don't know what femship means. You can choose either male or female. 
And Female Shepherd is a much better voice actor. Thank you for the tip. So that was cool. Can't wait to play that again. I think it's the third time I'll have played through the trilogy in its totality. Quite a long replay, actually. It's about, I don't know, 50 hours a game or something like that. 30 hours a game. Crazy. And I'm always saying I have no time for anything. <laughs> going to be your next marathon stream. That's it. Yeah, I'm just going to play through these until I drop or complete them, whichever comes first. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Maybe for charity, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to play through Mass Effect 2, and you can donate to choose things that I say to people. Donate quickly, because I'm not going to stop and wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you need to do quick polls to decide what you were going to select, yeah. Yeah. It sounds exhausting. I'm not going to do it. I would need a producer or something to help with that. Nope, no producers here. Nope. nope. None at all. No None at all. No. <laughs> no one that can do that kind of thing. Available. <laughs> the keyword being available. <laughs> Last up, another video game, Resident Evil Village, where the number eight is seamlessly grafted into the word village. So it's Resident Evil 8, but it's also Resident Evil Village. I think it looks amazing. I couldn't finish Resident Evil 7. I didn't get that far into it because it terrified me. I got to a point and I was just like, nope, and stopped playing it. And I haven't been back to it ever since. So this one may be the same. I'll buy it day one, get 20 minutes in, and then never go near it ever again. But it looks really good. The funniest thing is there's the tall vampire lady, Lady Demestric or something. I butchered it. I can't remember the name. But... A lot of gamers are getting quite enamoured with this character, shall we say. The team over at Eurogamer, which is a a website that I frequent quite a lot and I watch them stream and things, one of their users, one of their employees, whatever content creators, whatever her job title is, referred to her as a bisexual thirst trap. So that's quite funny. And the game looks pretty fun, pretty terrifying. The graphics look amazing. I love Resident Evil, so I'm keen to at least try to play it. Trailer looks good. I've seen little bits of gameplay of Resident Evil, but I haven't played it myself. But I've seen lots of bits of gameplay and different bits and pieces, and this looks really cool. On the PC, you could probably get 2 and 3 Remake for bugger all, cost-wise, by this point. I think so, yeah. I think it's pretty cheap. They're a good entry point. Resident Evil 2 Remake, I've sunk so many hours into that. It's really good. I'm actually pretty good at the game as well. I mean, I'm not a speedrunner good. I suppose I could be. I suppose I could do reasonably good speedrunning times, but I'm too scared to deviate from how I play the game. So I end up picking up ammo I don't need and keeping it on me and things like that. Maybe I will just try and just do a reasonable speedrunning end time on it at some point. Try and do like less than an hour or something like that. One of these days, I'll maybe go back to it and give that a go. But yeah, Resident Evil, if you can get the remakes cheap, definitely do. I think you'll enjoy them. And Resident Evil Village looks amazing. Looks all that lives up to the hype. I will add them to my list. Yeah, your Steam list. Yeah. Okay, so that's the end of trailers. Let's get on a bit of Marvel news. There isn't that much, actually, although there's some that broke as of the time of recording. So we have a title for the third Spider-Man movie in the MCU after being teased with some fake titles yesterday. So let's go through the fake titles first, because that was fun. Whoops, I say it was fun. So... Tom Holland, Jacob Batalon, and Zendaya shared three images that gave fake titles for the film for some reason. So there was Spider-Man Homewrecker, Spider-Man Phone Home, and Spider-Man Home Slice. And the notable thing about those three 
logos that they released is that they're color-coded to the colors of the Green Goblin, as people picked up on. There's a purple one, there's a green one, and then there's like a silvery grey one. People think that's pointing out what villain we're maybe going to see, whether that be Willem Dafoe's multiverse traveling one or a new one or something like that. So people think that's a clue in that direction, which I'm in no position to disagree with. It could be. It's fine. I'm happy with that. If they do a new version of Norman Osborn or a new Goblin or whatever they manage to do it justice, I'm no problem with that. The actual film title, Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm okay with. They're sticking with this home theme for some reason. And the, <laughs> the actual reveal video with the three actors saying they gave us fake names and stuff and then they show the brainstorming board and things like Spider-Man Far From Home, we already did that. Spider-Man Home Alone, copyright issues. How does it have copyright issues? Disney owns Home Alone. There is no copyright <laughs> issues. I suppose it's still Sony, but would Disney let them use it? Probably. Yes. Thoughts on this title? Thoughts on these colours? That's about all there is. Yeah, so thoughts on the title? It's interesting because it kind of ties in, presumably, to the post credit scene from Far From Home, which I wasn't expecting. I kind of thought the ending of Far From Home was almost going to be resolved really quickly, but this seems to hint that that's not going to be the case which I think is kind of cool because I thought they were going to wimp out of it, but it looks like they're not. They're sticking to their guns. I don't know quite how this ties in with all of the many theories and things and casting news that has been announced so far for this film because I have lost track of who is slash isn't slash is hinted and who's officially in, out, or not on this particular film. With the notice board... They show in the reveal, lots of people have been saying that there's hexagonal shapes on it, which kind of <laughs> ties in to what you've had in WandaVision recently. And I don't know, a bit like you've said about the colours of the logo, where, it, oh, if you put all the colours together, it kind of looks like the Green Goblin. And there was someone else that says, oh, the splatter in the middle where it's written is the shape of Puerto Rico. And I'm looking at this going, <laughs> you've got to be kidding. It's like, who is noticing all these things? So for this to make sense, we need Green Goblin, Puerto Rico, and something to do with Wanda's Hex, all to be in this next film. Plus, all the casting hints and rumours that they've been around are also apparently happening. So, I really don't know what to expect from this film. And I've enjoyed all of the Tom Holland Spider-Man stuff that they've done. I've had odd qualms with bits of it. But overall, I've really enjoyed it. So, let's see what happens with this. Yeah. It's a good point, actually, around all the ingredients that we know are in the film. And Tom Holland said, I don't know about any other previous Spider-Man actors that are in this film. So, yeah, like I tell you, Tom Holland. Or maybe he's just getting better at lying. We don't know. Maybe he is good at keeping secrets or he's good at throwing people off these days. That's just a skill that he learned in his time working for Disney and Marvel. But throwing all the ingredients in, I can't imagine how they're going to combine it all. How are you going to get some kind of legal thing that might contain a cameo of Matt Murdock? representing him as his lawyer. How are we going to get Doc Ock in here? Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, that is. How are we going to get Electro? 
played by Jamie Foxx. How are we going to get all this stuff that they're talking about into this one thing without it just being a collection of nonsense? That'll be interesting to see. How are we going to combine all these elements that we know are confirmed for the film into one cohesive thing? Especially since the title may suggest that he's compromised in some way because of his identity being out or Mm. whatever. But you have to wonder if the public really care. Everybody knows who Cap is. Everybody knows who Iron Man is. There's the fact that we know who Spider-Man is really a problem. Thinking he's a murderer, that's a problem. Yeah, I think that's definitely the I don't know, I'm interested. Of course I'm interested, because it's Spider-Man, and I'm always going to be interested in Spider-Man, but I just want to see how these elements are going to fit together. I do really want to know a little bit more, because I'm starting to get concerned. They seem to be in a race with the Flash movie to try and cram as much in as humanly possible. I don't know if this is another Spider-Man film that is potentially tied up a little bit until other Marvel films or shows finish their run. We've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is before this, I think, isn't it? Supposed to be, or is it? I don't know, actually. Is it before this? I thought it was before this. This is out December 17th. Considering we've still got Eternals and Black Widow to get, where is Doctor Strange fitting into that? I don't think they're even filming Doctor Strange yet. I could be wrong. Hmm. I'm trying to work out what potentially they've still got to resolve or maybe the impact of WandaVision is going to be more weird than I thought because we do know that Scarlet Witch is going to be in Doctor Strange yeah so presumably whatever's going on here potentially has a bit of an impact when it's going on there I don't know it does seem really interesting I don't know my timeline if I was really professional I would type in Google right now (laughs) and then pretend that I totally know what the release timeline of the MCU is but I'm totally not doing that Let's find out. <laughs> There's no shame in Google. That's a strange <laughs> The multiverse of madness is upcoming. Ba, 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 ba. 24th of... No, that can't be right. 24th of March 2020. <laughs> That's not right. I've got release date. According to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, <laughs> release date is the 25th of March 2022 in the United States. But well, that makes more sense. That does make more sense. Because I know lots of stuff was moved about. So that can't be part of that then. Well, Spider-Man, I suppose, could set it up in in its own way. Because Doctor Strange is in Spider-Man. We know that much. So it could be, hey, there's some multiverse of madness going on here. I'll tell you more about it next March, though. We'll resolve this next March. But meanwhile, there's some villains from old films that you need to deal with. So off you go and fight Alfred Molina, please. Deal with him. Yeah, so maybe that's what I'm thinking of then, is the fact that we've got Doctor Strange yeah. in there in casting news already. But then if they're playing against what they did in the comics, then am I remembering right? Was there not an arc where Doctor Strange made everyone forget that Peter Parker was Spider-Man? Is that part of an arc? I mean, Tony did it, yeah. It was basically everybody would forget and if they ever stumbled across the information, they would put the pieces together in ways that steer them away from the identity. So there's a bit where they find his camera. Norman Osborn, who's forgotten his identity as part of this big spell, they found his camera. And he, because of the spell, he leaps to the conclusion of, hang on, Spider-Man must arrange to get these photos taken and give them to Peter Parker, and then they split the money, which is a really stupid conclusion that would actually be reached for real in the 60s. But 
at that point, it was because of the spell, and it was quite funny. But yeah, there was heroes that forgot his identity as well. He re-revealed himself to the Fantastic Four. And then during the events... Oh my God, this is such a nerdy like, list of things that happened. But <laughs> during the events of Spider Island, he pretends that he got powers along with everyone else in New York and leads a group of people in sort of stabilising the city a bit. And that loosens the spell so that people can learn his identity again. So it, it resets him to the point where he has to be careful again. Yeah, so I've just had a quick look on IMDb for what was formerly known as the Untitled Spider-Man sequel, but is now known as No Way Home. And at the moment, on the confirmed casting, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. That's it. That's the confirmed casting so far. So you can shove all your rumors elsewhere. (laughs) But it does have Alfred Molina on there. It does have Benedict Cumberbatch. It does have Jamie Foxx. And the rest of the core cast that you would expect to be popping up. Yeah, if there's room for them. It's a bit like in Batman v Superman. Why is Lois Lane still here? Is there any room for her? The answer is no. There is no room for her. She doesn't do anything <laughs> of value in this film. She chases around a bullet that's made by Lex Luthor. That's all she does. Crazy. So Spider-Man. Exciting. Um, looking forward to more information about this. We should start seeing more. It's out in theatres. Only in theatres on December 17th, maybe. Qualifiers do apply. Terms of conditions apply. <laughs> There's always a qualifier <laughs> these days. It might be out in December in theatres if we're allowed back in them at that point. If not, it'll be out and people will be able to see it and we won't, which is crazy. That will annoy me. Other Marvel news. I already talked about Loki. It's going to appear on June 11th. That's not that exciting. I mean, it's exciting because the show looks good, but the news isn't exciting. Yeah, June 11th. Cool. That's the day before the magic date that England are going to open everything. At the time of recording, terms and conditions apply. At the time of recording, <laughs> I don't think that supposition will have changed much by Monday of the release day of this podcast. So, yeah. The only other bit of Marvel news that I caught was that they stole Aaron's idea for a Wakanda TV series. He said that the sequel to Black Panther should just be a Wakanda-based thing, and it should explore the nation, the country of Wakanda and its culture and things like that. So... He wanted that to be the next Black Panther film. Instead, they've made it in a TV series, presumably so that they can claim it's their idea, not his. That's what I think. <laughs> they don't want Aaron coming after them. Exactly. But I'm all for it. Let's get a bit of expansion on a location that they're building from scratch. Because you get suggestions of what life might be like in Wakanda in the one film that it features prominently. Because in Infinity War, it's just a battleground, so... In Black Panther, there's a suggestion of, yeah, there's stuff outside the royal palace and the royal family and T'Challa and all that. Depending what the angle is, depending what the focus is, depending who your characters are, I'd be really interested to see this. I think it's yet another slice of the MCU that I'll be compelled to sit and watch. Yeah, I'm totally up for something like this. You do want to see a bit more of that world. And they seem to have proven so far anyway with the one show that they've done that they're able to make something interesting out of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it'll depend on how the other shows go. If you turn around and go, oh, my God, it kind of goes downhill at a point. Oh, no, what are they going to do with this Wakanda show? But the people behind it seem to have a good idea what they're doing. It doesn't seem like it's something that they've just put together in a rush. And the fact that the whole TV universe from Marvel now seems to be under their umbrella and under their control suggest to me that they wouldn't be going at this unless they had an idea of what they wanted to do with it. Yeah, agreed. We just don't know enough about it at this point. Again, as Aaron says, we need more information before we can proceed with liking or hating it. But 
on a conceptual level, I don't have an issue. I think it will be cool. Again, depending on what the focus is, who is your principal character? Is it someone from the... Is there such a thing as the poor side of the tracks in Wakanda? Is everybody just living in elegance and decadence? Or is there a class system? Who knows? Could be like an Inhumans, <laughs> where people have to go work <laughs> down the mines. <laughs> Even though they've got technology that can mine stuff, they still make people work down the mines. Yeah, I mean, we've got all these cool vibranium tools and everything, but someone still needs to dig the vibranium up. Yeah. We can't use these automated robots to dig up vibranium. We're going to make the working class do that because that's fun. Yeah, how do you dig up vibranium? If you hit a big, rich seam of vibranium, what do you use to then break the vibranium? Good question. That just seems really tricky. How would you deal with that? Oh, good news, sir. We've hit the biggest nugget of vibranium that we've ever hit. Bad news. We've got no idea how to break it apart or use it for anything because we've got no way of... All this and more will be answered in the Wakanda TV series. (laughs) It's just going to be a massive engineering yeah. challenge. That's yeah. what it's going to be. <laughs> That's it for Marvel. We don't have anything else. Light month for Marvel, really. I guess it's because they've got things coming out. There's less to talk about. And there's always stuff planned. So we'll come back to Marvel in subsequent months, I guess. Let's go over to the DC universe. There's a couple of things. I talked about how the Flash movie was competing with the Spider-Man movie to have the most stuff in it. So they've got another thing in it. They have cast an actress called... And I hope I don't butcher the pronunciation. Sasha Kelly as Supergirl. The film version of Supergirl in the movie. And she is a Colombian actress from a soap called The Young and the Restless, which has been running forever and people watch it. She's a daytime Emmy nominee. And she'll be the first Latina Supergirl ever in DC. So... That's cool. And she was chosen for more than 425 actresses who auditioned. That's impressive. I'm all for this. It's fine. I know some people have kicked off because, oh, how can she be Henry Cavill's cousin? It's like, one, we don't know if Henry Cavill's ever coming back. Two, she doesn't have to be his cousin. The whole thing about DC is there's a billion versions of a billion different things and we don't need to stick slavishly to the one that we already know. We already have the Superman's cousin version on TV. We could have it slightly different. She could just be another Kryptonian. Yeah, definitely. She can just be another Kryptonian. And also DC seemed to, or at least I remember the last time that they were talking about the universe, they said, we're not concentrating on a through line. We're concentrating on doing stories at a time. Unless they've now gone back on that and went, no, no, actually we lied. It's all connected again. We totally planned for all these to be connected. By this Flash movie, because he moves through the multiverse and can connect everybody. Yeah, this is the Flash movie that's going to pull it together because it features multiple Batman and now features Supergirl. So it's going to be the Flash movie also featuring the Flash as like a cameo (laughs) role. (laughs) He might be in it, yeah. Ezra Miller might be in it. I'd like to think it's just the Flash sending all these little messages to the future in the past. (laughs) Maybe that's the entire film. I don't know. It does seem to me that they're going to use the Flash movie as a universe reset button and go, right, here's how we're going to get around either recasting, if we want to do recasting, if we want to bring these timelines together, we can just unwrite or rewrite bits and then we'll start up again. I don't know. Yeah. I was told, like I say, on many occasions, as I don't spend any time on social media, really, because it just ain't for me. But people that have said that some people are getting really hung up on the race issue. It's not an issue, but they're getting hung up on the whole race idea. They seem to think that because Superman is a white male, that Supergirl should be a white female. And even if they do go down the cousin's route, what, Jor-El's brother or 
sister, marry someone that's of a different background, <laughs> and they have a child. Yeah, I don't get that. I, I don't understand why people get hung up on these particular things. It's the same as when people read books and go, that's not how they're described in the book, or that's not how I pictured it in my head. It doesn't matter. See what they put on screen. Judge the film based on that, or judge the acting once you see her on screen. Don't sit there and judge her now going, oh, she doesn't look like this cartoon. Even if you take the comics, when the comics are done by different artists, the characters can sometimes look totally different. So I don't mind i really don't and if it's all because canon you know oh it's got to be this way for the canon they're proven umpteen times through these films and through the tv shows and through the different things that they can do different twists on all these characters so as long as what they put on screen is good it's a good story it's well acted it's got good action scenes the effects look great i don't mind i really really don't mind that's what I'm looking for in a film or a TV show. Settle down, people. She's probably going to be very good. I haven't seen anything she's in, but I'm fairly sure she'll be very good in this role. So good luck to new Supergirl. Yeah, let's presume out of 425 actresses <laughs> that they've picked the right <laughs> yeah. one, okay? Let's just go out there and say that they've picked the right one. And she got Melissa Benoist's endorsement, so that's good enough for me. Melissa, we trust. Yeah, we do. We do. She knows what she's talking about. Of course she does. Why she doesn't come on this podcast? Uh, I know. It's hard to, and she's blocked me on every conceivable way of me contacting her. And that massive legal injunction that has to keep you 200 miles away from her, because apparently the meters weren't enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They've rewritten the restraining order just for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not allowed to be on the same continent, are yeah, you? Something like that. Yeah, she set up a production company, by the way. I was going to put that in, but it's not that interesting. I mean, it is. She's going to be working with Warner Brothers on a bunch of projects as a producer, so good for her. Oh, cool. Well done. So I did get that in. Well done, me. Anyway, back to DC. And continuing in the sort of multiverse vein, found out that John Wesley Shipp is going to be reprising his role of Jay Garrick. So this is one of his many roles in the Arrowverse. He has played Henry Allen, Jay Garrick. Another Jay Garrick, maybe? No, I don't think he's been more than one Jay Garrick. And Barry Allen from the 90s Flash TV show. So he's, he's had at least three roles in that universe already. But... He's going to be returning to the Jay Garrick role. He was believed dead because of crisis or pre-crisis, but when Earth 2 went, it was believed that he was gone as well. No, no, that's not right. He wasn't on Earth 2 at the time. He would have been on Earth 3, which went anyway, and maybe came back. We don't know. I guess it did. Or whether he's just going to be playing a different Jay Garrick that belongs to the same universe as Stargirl. It doesn't matter. The important thing is that Jake Garrick is going to be played by John Wesley Shipp, which is a good thing, and he's going to appear in Stargirl as a version of The Flash in that universe. So I like Stargirl. Season 2, I'm really excited about. I'm also really keen to see John Wesley Shipp back in our role as Jay Garrick. Yeah, cool. I've not watched any of Stargirl yet. It's on the list. <laughs> But I've not watched any of it yet. So, yeah, I've liked him when I've seen him pop up in The Flash and the other things that he's been in. He's always been really good. So, yeah, don't see why not. Good news. Last piece of DC news is an announcement of a Blue Beetle movie, which is going to be directed by Angel Manuel Soto. I don't know who he is, to be perfectly honest with you, but that's who's got the job. First Latino superhero movie. So it's the Jaime Reyes version of the character. He basically finds this alien armor and he suits up with it and he becomes a Blue Beetle. 
and he normally hangs around with Booster Gold, who's from the future, but I don't know if that'll be happening here. Should be cool. Um, it's another character they can adapt, a less well-known one, so that should be cool. Cool. Yeah, I like this. The thing is, Marvel have done it particularly well, where they've pulled certain characters from obscurity and ones that are maybe not your headline-grabbing Wonder Woman, Flash, Batman, Superman kind of thing, and put them out there. So, yeah, I'm totally for this. Sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm keen. We'll see how it turns out when more news about it is coming out. It's quite funny, though, they refer to it as, or some people have been referring to it as the first live-action version of the character, which is completely inaccurate because he appeared in Smallville in an episode in the final season. <laughs> Are there many characters that didn't appear in Smallville in some a- adapted form? Shazam never did, for one thing. They're not do Shazam? No, oh, wow. they never got around okay. to it. I guess they thought it would have been too ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Chew on that for a while. How would you fit a schoolboy with superpowers into Smallville? How would you fit that? (laughs) Yeah, it would never work. It's crazy. Very difficult. Very tricky. It's the magic thing. Oh, wait, they did a whole season of magic. So uh, never mind that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to the CW because they're doing some stuff. And we talk about CW a lot on this podcast. And I write about it a lot. So. Good, we're all fine with that. So let's talk about what the CW are doing. So the first bit I'm going to talk about is another DC thing that they're planning to adapt, which is hilarious, called Naomi. And that's going to be Ava DuVernay, who's producing this project. She's set to direct the feature film adaptation of New Gods as well, which is a different thing, but is developing this drama. And the show will follow a teen girl's journey from a small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse. A DC show and the CW that features the multiverse. Ooh. Never heard of that before. <laughs> I thought they had got rid of the multiverse. Did they not do a whole thing of deleting the multiverse? Nah, it's still there. They just don't have access to it yet. But they will eventually. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. When a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core, Naomi sets out to uncover its origins. And what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes. I don't know what heroes it challenges, but cool. I think this sounds cool. It's another DC thing on the CW, so I'll be watching it by default. <laughs> Contractually obliged, somehow. Also mentioned in this release is the Black Lightning spin-off focused on Painkiller, or Khalil, as he's sometimes known. So that's happening too. There'll be a backdoor pilot during the seventh episode of this current season of Black Lightning, which is not far away. So they may be doing a spin-off of a show they're finishing, but... Backdoor pilots, historically on the CW, don't seem to go anywhere because they had the two for Supernatural, they didn't get picked up. The 100 one, which mm. doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The Arrow one, Green Arrow and the Canaries, that didn't get picked up either. So maybe this Khalil one's another one that won't get picked up. But it looks like Naomi's happening and it's got some credibility behind it in terms of production talent and so on. So, yeah, I'm keen. And it's going to be one of the... Arrow writers and co-executive producer Jill Blankenship to write and exec produce the project as well. So, cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'll watch it. Well, that's good. I mean, the thing is, obviously, we liked Arrow and stuff, so if there's people behind Arrow behind, they've got good people there. So, yeah. Yeah. Also on the CW, did you ever watch a TV show called The 4400? I did. I did watch The 4400, yeah. Well, you'll be pleased or annoyed to know that they're rebooting it. It's been ordered for a full season, at least. So it's happening. If you don't know what the 4400 is, listeners, basically a bunch of people across decades disappear. 4,400 people, to be exact, disappear. And then one day they come back 
And there's this whole mystery around why it is. And some of them kind of have superpowers, but different superpowers. And one woman comes back and she's pregnant. And I don't know what happened with that because I never watched beyond the first season. <laughs> I don't know how it ended, but I enjoyed what I watched of it. I don't know why I didn't finish it, but I liked it. So the prospect of a reboot, fine. I suspect it'll be in the same vein as Charmed with the same concept, but framed differently. After the 100 ended, I guess the CW need another show that's just a number as a title, so they're doing this. Yeah, I watched the original show, and to my shame, I can't remember at what point I stopped watching or if it just dropped off the map at some point because I can't remember what happened to the child either. (laughs) But, yeah, remake it. I suppose the fact is, because I can't remember that much about it probably means that I won't be too upset about it getting rebooted. I think if it was something that I knew inside and out and had rewatched multiple times, I would get more upset about them rebooting it. And it seems that there's been a big gap since it was on air. So I guess if you bring it back, then why not? Give it a go. Yeah. And it'll be a bunch of good-looking actors fumbling their way through a mystery. That's what it'll be. It's the CW. That's what we can guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I'm surprised that they're going for that when they've got a lot of superhero content already. But I guess this is one that doesn't need to be tied to a canon as much as the Arrowverse programs. So I guess it makes sense a little bit, and there's mystery behind it. Again, a bit like we were saying about Debris earlier on, the show about French cheese. (laughs) You really need to have a good outcome to your mystery. You've got to have an idea of where you're going with it, what your end game is, which can be a struggle in a show like that, where you go, all these people have disappeared, but why? And they were all throughout time, but why those people? And they've come back. Okay, why did they come back at this particular moment? And why have some of them got powers? And why is it different? And why is it... Yeah, so... Weird. I suppose it's like heroes, except people sort of blip out of time and then come back. Yeah. And the original had some big names in it as well, because just when it was made, these people weren't big at the time. But Mahershala Ali was in it, for example. Mm. Don't know how long he lasted, if he lived through the whole thing or not, but he's certainly in the first season. Because <laughs> that's all I've seen. I don't remember anything. But And it's almost like the post-endgame thing, isn't it? These people coming back from being away. They're not missing any time, but everyone else has kind of moved on. I remember in the original, they had this young kid. Well, he was a teenager when he disappeared. And then when he returned, he was still a teenager. But then there was some girl who was younger than him, who's now like his age, and they hit it off and stuff. So I imagine they'll do a lot of that. And then you get husbands or wives that have moved on because the Husbands or wives have been missing for years. So they dealt with stuff like that here and there. So I think they'll play around with that. Obviously, they'll have to frame the mystery differently and solve it differently because otherwise people that have seen the old show might just be like, I've seen this. So will they make it better? I don't know how it (laughs) panned out. I don't know why they blipped out of existence, where they went, why they went there. I imagine the show answers it, but I just don't know the answer. I imagine it'll be a different answer, though, in the new one, I would guess. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll just count on the fact that people either haven't seen it or haven't seen it all and they just don't care. Yeah, I imagine they won't go through the same beats, but like you say, there'll be ideas in there. It's kind of a lightweight fanosing, isn't it? Yeah. 
didn't quite get all the way to doing a full snap. You just get 4,400 people out. <laughs> yeah. It's a control group. That's a Thanos control group. Here's what will happen if I fail yeah. and they come back. <laughs> there we go. And another thing they've ordered, they've only ordered a pilot for this, but it's that Powerpuff Girls series I mentioned last year that was conceptually thrown around at the time. And it's quite funny in the concept that it is based on the Cartoon Network series created by Craig McCracken. Oh, yeah, that was his name. I remember laughing at that name as a child because I was immature and stupid. The new series sees the pint-sized superheroes as disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime-fighting. Will they agree to reunite now that the world needs them more than ever? Doesn't that just sound like the most CW thing ever? We're going to do a sequel sort of reboot of this cartoon that people watched in their childhood, but they need to be (laughs) 20-somethings. They need to be resentful. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to hire three very good-looking actresses. We're going to hire someone semi-famous to play the professor, who may or may not be a creep, and we're going to make a show out of this. That's what they're going to do here. And I think it sounds great, to be honest. I actually liked The Powerpuff Girls when I was younger. I remember watching it before school and things, when it was on Cartoon Network. So I'm all for this and see how they can do it. See if they can turn it into something that's watchable. It sounds a lot of fun. If they do it right, it's going to be a lot of fun to see on screen. But the fact that they're throwing around, like you say, the resentment, if they make it so dark and so depressing a look at it, I don't think it'll be as good a watch, maybe. I don't know quite what I'm expecting. Or just frustrating because they're moody all the time because they're disillusioned 20-somethings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know what you're wanting. You're wanting the Powerpuff Girls to unite and fight crime and be maybe a bit sassy about it with each other. What I'm not really wanting is an entire season of them spread across America where one person's in New York, one person's in LA, one person (laughs) is living in Montana on a farm or something. And one of them's really, really wanting to get back together, and the other two are like, no, no, we've got our own things and we don't want to do it. And you get that for an entire season. But then in the final episode, oh, they unite. You have a 10-episode season of them somehow stumbling onto the same problem, and then one of them who doesn't want to get the band back together keeps saying, I'll help you this time, but after this, I'm done. And then she flies off. <laughs> and then the next episode, she's there again. Until the final episode, she's like, right, guys, we're all going to work together, but I don't have to like it. And then season two will be about her <laughs> reacclimating <laughs> to this group. Congratulations, Craig. You've been hired for the writer. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Finally. <laughs> so let's get down to casting. What actors are in CW shows and supporting roles now am I going to cast as my three Powerpuff Girls? I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They all seem busy. Well, we keep recasting Neil Madonna, so I'm putting him down for Professor. There we go. I'm done. Yeah, you'd be the great Professor, because he'd be like this weird, creepy father figure that they have, and he creates them to... Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's, the casting's complete. Yeah, and he's good at being a weird, creepy father figure. We've seen him do it before, so it's fine. There we go. Sorted. Hired. It's our casting work done. Yeah, so we should get... Courtney Ford is one of them then. She's not doing anything. Well, she's not quite 20-something. She's more 30-something now, so. Ah, that's a shame. Get her in as something. I like Courtney Ford, so let's get her in as something. <laughs> I don't know what, but she'll be in the show. She'll be like exactly. a mentor or a villain. A villain, recurring villain. Oh. She'll be a witch because she's played one before. Why not just have her as someone's horrible boss that she doesn't like? Keeps talking down to her. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. The cat grant. Yeah. There we go. Sorry. Puff girls. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. 
I'll contact them now. Everybody does fan casting and it's almost like, well, the actors don't get a choice in this. It doesn't matter if they want to play it. What's going to happen is a van's going to go around to their house. They're going to get bundled in it. And now you're the Fantastic Four. Congratulations <laughs> for the next 10 years. <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> and the, <laughs> now you're the Powerpuff Girls. But I don't want to be as like, tough. It's happening. The fans have spoken. Someone said on Twitter you'd make a good Blossom. So there you go. You're blossoming now. Sorry, you have no choice. Here's your 10-year deal. Signed. Here's your 10-year deal. <laughs> We're planning 10 seasons. What if it gets cancelled? Then well, that happens. And you- We're not planning for that. <laughs> then we'll bundle you into some other we show. Are- Don't worry about it. We have a 10-year t- plan. <laughs> this did get me thinking, though. Are the CW just going to do this with other Cartoon Network shows? Are we going to get just live-action sequel rebooty things of other stuff? Something like Dexter's Lab. Imagine that an adult Dexter's Lab. That's what I just had in my head. Yeah. <laughs> went to Dexter's Lab in my head. Yeah, brilliant. Although on the CW, it'd be more like Dexter's abs, wouldn't it? <laughs> you can't have a really hot Dexter, can you? It's the CW, so of I know you it's can. the CW, but even they've got limits, surely. No. <laughs> Remember their big open to all campaign from a couple of years ago? It's like, we're open to all, except plain or ugly people. Yeah, if you're ugly, no chance. Yeah. So, yeah, Dexter's Lab, the sequel, Dexter's Abs. That's what it will be. Part of his lab is a gym and he's always working out. Dexter worked out. He went to the gym and then he fell out of love with science because he spent too much time in the gym. But then one day someone gets in trouble and he needs to science something up. So goes back to his lab. There you go. Yeah. There's my pilot. Chrissy's pilot done. Goes, goes back to his parents' house, which he hasn't sold because his lab's in there, but also he can't bear to let go of it because they died under mysterious circumstances and he's really upset about that. And Dee Dee is in a mental asylum or something. I don't know. Because they'd do that. Of course they would. <laughs> a crazy Dee Dee on the loose breaks out the asylum, so he's got to go back to his lab to stop. He's roaming his lab, but because it's the size of a small city, he never finds her. Or <laughs> <laughs> he just runs into her now and again. Oh. What a show. Yeah, they need to do that. Come on, CW, hire us. We'll make it work. <laughs> okay, so last thing from the CW, they renewed a bunch of stuff. So we're getting another season of a bunch of stuff. Walker is getting a renewal. I didn't like the one episode that I watched, but fair enough. Well done, Jared Padalecki. You get to work for another year. Good for you. The Flash for an eighth season, therefore matching Arrow, probably beating it because there's no sign of it being a reduced season. Batwoman is getting a third season, despite the fact that no one seems to watch it according to the ratings. I like season two a lot. I like the new lead better than the old lead. But that'll be a chat for another podcast. Charmed is getting another season. I don't know how the hell that's happening, but it is. That's borderline unwatchable. And I know because I've watched most of it. Is that guilty pleasure? Is that what you're doing? Are you punishing yourself with it? I think it's pushed past the point of being a guilty pleasure. And now I'm just questioning why I bother doing it, but I still do it. <laughs> I've not even finished Batwoman season one yet. Yeah, you should catch up with that, because we've got podcasts to do in the summer. <laughs> Contractually obliged to Contractually watch obliged, now. yeah. It's been said. Legacies is getting a fourth season, another show I don't watch. It's a Vampire Diaries spin-off. It seems to be doing well. Nancy Drew, which is <laughs> the, the child detective is now all grown up and teenager, or maybe early 20s, I don't know. She's kind of adult size now, which <laughs> kind of sounds like the Powerpuff Girls, but with... <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, have they just changed out some names yeah. on the pilot idea? The season three, that's getting... Riverdale's getting another season. Jesus, that's still going. Legends of Tomorrow has been renewed for a seventh season before the sixth one's been on. Roswell, New Mexico is getting a fourth season as well. I actually quite like Roswell, New Mexico. 
Superman and Lois was picked up for another couple of episodes, so that's going to have 15 instead of 13. So that's good news, I guess. No news on whether it's getting a second season, but based on the feedback it's been getting, I guess it probably will. So the Arrowverse isn't dead yet, people. It's going to keep going for a little while longer. You're supposed to cheer or something, I don't know. <laughs> Yay! So that's that CW stuff. There'll be more CW stuff that we can continue watching if you watch it already. So good news for me anyway. That's us done with the CW. Let's get on to miscellaneous stuff. Just here's a collection of stuff that's happening. So Netflix is going to be doing a Wednesday Adams of the Adams Family prequel series with Tim Burton making his television debut with it. They've ordered eight episodes. It's called Wednesday. It's a coming-of-age comedy written by the Smallville creators Al Goff and Miles Miller because they can't get enough of prequels, apparently, and to be directed by Tim Burton. It's a sleuthing, supernaturally-infused mystery charting Wednesday Adams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. That's where she attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorised her local town, and solve the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, <laughs> all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships. It's a young adult thing. Yeah. It's it's Smallville, but with Wednesday okay. Adams. That's what it is. I really feel that with some of the news that we've had this week, that you could play a really good game of true or false. We should do that one time. Fake or real. Yeah, fake or real. CW are commissioning a pilot based on the Powerpuff Girls. Real or fake? <laughs> oh, this one's real. <laughs> For this one, it's like, you read that description out, that sounds bonkers, and I will probably love it. But yeah, why not? So is this getting like an Adams Family TV show through a side door sort of way? You know, you're getting Wednesday Adams, so presumably you're going to get the rest of the family as part of that show. You'd think. I guess they'll be in it. Yeah, her brother might not be born yet. I don't know. Yeah, he'll be young. I don't know. I suspect the whole cast will be there. Maybe Uncle Fester will show up for an episode or two or whatever. But it's primarily focused on this weird mystery supernatural horror thing that she experiences at school which is fine i guess like i said it's smallville but with wednesday adams it's basically the same concept so might be good tim burton (laughs) is hit and miss really for me will i watch it probably not to be honest because things come on netflix and i don't watch them that's what happens oh come on maybe i will maybe i will it seems like the kind of thing that i will forget is actually coming to netflix and then it'll get promoted on that little top bar thing that i can't resist going oh what's that and hitting the button and end up watching a full season of something suddenly eight hours has passed and you've been like what have i just done with my life yeah what, what did i do what did i do that <laughs> how did i end up watching all of this i don't know netflix have done a lot of fun stuff like umbrella academy and things like that and i feel that if you've got tim burton doing a weird twist like that with the Adams family property at his disposal. That seems a lot of fun. Though I'm now kind of thinking how zany, full blown Tim Burton Adams family movie would be. The yeah, last animated one was rubbish. I did not like that at all. But we'll see. It's happening, so we'll see it. Someone will see it and be able to tell me because I probably won't watch it. I'll never get around to it. Like, I'd never get around with anything else. Next up. There's a bit of casting for The Last of Us, the HBO series starring, well, it's going to be starring Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey, who was in Game of Thrones. They were both in Game of Thrones, actually, as Ellie. So I was talking to people about it at the time this was announced, and I'm disappointed in a way because I wanted the show to be set in that world, but with different people. 
because I've played through the Joel and Ellie story, I've experienced it, I've enjoyed it in that way, I've been fully immersed in it, and I kind of don't need to experience it again. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that haven't played the video game who might be interested in experiencing it, but I don't have that perspective. I don't have the perspective of hearing about this thing that was good that I've been unable to experience, and now I can experience it in a different medium. I don't know, just watch a Let's Play on YouTube of someone playing through it, and you'll get the story, and you might be as immersed, but... (laughs) It's fine. Pedro Pascal's good. I wouldn't have put him in that role necessarily. I'll throw in the, he's good, but he could be better from Wonder Woman. Uh, (laughs) See what you did there? It's going to be the legacy of that film, isn't it? People saying that. Bella Ramsey, I don't know who she is. People say she was good in Game of Thrones. Fine. Game of Thrones is the new Lost when it comes to casting, where people are like, this person's going to be in this thing. I'm like, I don't know who they are. And then they're like, they're in Lost. Or now it's Game of Thrones. And I'm like, oh, cool. It still doesn't tell me who they are, but off you go. So I don't know about this. I'm a bit funny with HBO stuff anyway because I sometimes find it a bit too grim. I prefer my silly little kids' shows with superheroes. (laughs) I like a lot of the HBO stuff that they've done. I mean, I still watch Westworld when that's on. As much as some of it goes a bit awry, I always start positive in a season going, oh, this looks like it's going to be really interesting, then finish the season going, oh, for God's sake. Game of Thrones was better when it was following the books than when it started sort of rolling on its own. But these things are always really well produced. HBO make the things look really proper cinematic. If anything, it's going to look great on screen. I'm kind of with you. I understand where you're coming from, where you've played for a game and you don't want to see that story getting repeated or those characters getting touched. And maybe it would have made sense for it to be someone else. And I'm wondering if what played into that was maybe them just not wanting to be stuck as being uh, slightly more expensive to make Walking Dead. Yeah. The Walking Dead is awful. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's, okay, if we're going to buy The Last of Us as a property, if we're going to pay for the rights to The Last of Us, then we're doing the story from The Last of Us. We're not going to take that universe and go, okay, so we've got the rights to be The Last of Us, but maybe only include a couple of bits that actually tie it to The Last of Us. The rest of it is essentially The Walking Dead. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Because you haven't played the games. I know you watched me when I was streaming the second mm. one, but this is the first one, which is the Joel and Ellie story. So they're adapting that, and I imagine they'll make tweaks to it. And there's things in that game that are really powerfully done. I don't know if you've watched anybody play through the first one. I know I didn't stream the first one. But it's a beautiful story, and it's about two people connecting in this bleak world, and there's moments of beauty in it, and moments of levity and little light things. So you get things like Ellie's trying to learn a whistle, or she's reading it through a joke book, or she reads comics, or she asks questions about the old world because she was born after the world ended. So she doesn't know anything about things like going to the cinema or just going out and buying coffee and things like that is all alien to her. So that's all interesting stuff. And the show will be able to do that. But how do you feel about it? Because you obviously haven't played the game, so this could be your first exposure to it. Other than that Let's Play on Mm. YouTube, you could totally watch. (laughs) I totally could watch a Let's Play. I'd look forward to seeing the story. Like you say, I've seen you play through, but I don't have that same connection to it that you do. So I totally understand the point of view that you're coming from, where... You've been through a story like that. You've got all the emotions that get tied with it. And then they come along and say, oh, we're going to remake it. And you go, oh, oh don't, don't touch that because then you change what's in my head. It's the same as reading the book and then watching it on screen kind of thing as well. Or they do a TV show and then they turn it into a movie and it changes or vice versa. And you go, oh, actually, you've kind of ruined some of it for me. So 
I get that. I know that HBO, when they do these big budget things, it normally looks really great and it sounds like it's the kind of thing that would be up my street. I did watch Walking Dead for far too long. I have given up on it or gave up on it a few seasons ago, but that was probably a few seasons too many. It's right. I do occasionally give up on TV shows as much as I come in here and say that I'm normally, like, once I've started, that's it. I'm a completionist. I will watch until the final episode, no matter what. <laughs> but and I gave up on The Walking Dead. It just completely lost me. So maybe something a bit like that would be more up my street. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. I mean, I'll probably give it a go because of what it is. I like The Last of Us, and I just I want to see. I wouldn't have any qualms about ditching it if it's not working for me early on, mm. but we'll see interesting one we got a bit of debate on there and my perspective is holding me back from being as objective as i could be on it but at the same time yeah i've got a connection to the game and they're making it because people have a connection to the game that's why it's being made so i guess we'll see to quote aaron i don't know i need more information i don't know if he said exactly (laughs) that but he says that all the time he's not here but his spirit lives on (laughs) so next up is an announcement of a film that's going to be on Apple TV Plus called Dolly, which stars Florence Pugh, who you might see in Black Widow at some point, if it ever comes out. You'll probably see her in Falcon and Winter Soldier first, if she is indeed in that, if that's true. The story of this is she plays a companion doll, Reed sex doll, who kills someone. And she claims that she's not guilty and asks for a lawyer. So the film is based on a Elizabeth Bear short story by the same name. Basically, it's a courtroom drama where the question is over the legality of what this doll is. Is she a murderer or the murder weapon? Does she go to prison for killing someone or does the person who owns her, in inverted commas, go to prison for buying her and setting her on this mission? So it's interesting. It sounds like the TNG, Next Generation Star Trek episode, Measure of a Man, but with a sex doll. So it's an interesting concept. (laughs) Sounds really interesting, yeah. It's really interesting theoretical stuff, which is kind of relevant in a strange way, not so much for the robotic sex doll going on a murder spree, but when you're getting into the realms of automated cars or automated drones and transport and such, if an accident does happen, then who's held liable? Is it the driver of the car who necessarily wasn't in control of the vehicle at the time? Is it the person who programmed the automation to tell it to swerve out the way of someone on the road? Is it the person who manufactured the car? If there's some form of defect, then is it their fault? So it's all that sort of stuff. It's the weird legal gray areas. At the moment, they get around that kind of thing by saying you must have your hands on the wheel at all times. But then the whole idea of the automated car in the future is that you wouldn't have your hands on the wheel the whole time. So how do they approach that? Or automated delivery drones. Who's going to be the first person that gets taken out by a falling Amazon box with a plant pot in it? (laughs) Yeah, or the grand piano that someone wants delivered and it's been carried by 20 drones. (laughs) Yeah, well, I want my massive anvil, and I want it by next day. Send it to me now. <laughs> I don't care if it's a massive cartoon anvil. I want it here. It's like Wiley e. Coyote has vouchers, and he's going to use them. <laughs> and my Acme TNT is getting delivered yeah. by drones. Do you know what? It's really, really interesting. I don't know if you watched the show Humans when it was on Channel no. 4 in the uk but that was a really good show really really enjoyed some of the aspects that went into that so yeah i'm up for this kind of thing yeah i mean it factors in a bit of agents of shield with the life model decoys as well Mm. are they alive are they not so it's it's in our wheelhouse in that sense 
And it sounds like an interesting concept. That episode of Star Trek that I talked about is one of my favourite episodes. It's just that they sit data down and they interrogate whether he's alive or a person. And they have to reach a conclusion by the end. So it's kind of similar to that, except with a sex doll. So that's your angle. Fine. We'll see. We all know what data was built for. No need to walk around it. We know that he was fully functional. We find that out disturbingly mm. early on in the show. <laughs> okay, next up. We've got an animated series based on Gremlins. It's called Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai. And it's an animated prequel featuring the lovable slash terrifying creatures from Joe Dante's 1980s comedy horror cult favourite Gremlins and Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Dante is going to be a consultant and... It's got a showrunner that past credits include Gotham, Once Upon a Time in Little America, One Thing I Don't Like, One Thing I've Never Watched, and Another Thing I've Never Watched. You can decide which of those is which. I don't care. (laughs) I'm in two minds about this. I love Gremlins and I kind of want to see more of it. But the thing I like about Gremlins, other than the fact that the films are insanely entertaining and really fun and a great riff on horror and the first one's a great Christmas movie and the second one's a great parody of the first one, it's the things like... Where do these things come from? How do they know when midnight is? Things like that. If it's eating on a plane and it crosses time zones, is it suddenly midnight and then things happen or stuff like that? Never feed it after midnight. It's always after midnight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially in the United States where you've got three, four different yeah. time zones across the whole of the United States. I mean, if you're on the border of yeah. one of them, then oh, what happens when the clocks yeah, change? daylight savings time. How do the gremlins know? Have they got a built-in... A body clock that's really precise. It's stuff like that. It's stuff like that we like to debate. It's the same reason I hate Prometheus. It answers questions I don't want the answer to. Or when in Enterprise they told us why the Klingons didn't have ridges in the original series. I don't care. I'm happy speculating because that's what I do. I'm a nerd. I like to speculate. So this show might just go answering all these questions and that's boring. But gremlins are cute. Little mogwai. I've got a little gizmo on my shelf here. Just sits there. He's kind of dusty actually, but I love him. I'd love one as a pet, but I would absolutely accidentally get it wet and, <laughs> and feed it after midnight. It would be a complete disgrace. <laughs> after like five days, I'd be overwhelmed by these things that are trying to kill me. I'm a disaster when it comes to pet ownership. I can barely take care of myself, so a gremlin is a bad choice. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess I'll see. I need more information. But I don't want to know the answers to those questions, so they need to find another angle. Joe Dante's clever. If he's involved, yeah, it might be okay. Up next, we have Emma Stone reuniting with Lanthmos to do a riff on Frankenstein, a reimagining of Frankenstein. The film synopsis officially reads, ostensibly the memoirs of late 19th century Glasgow physician Archibald McCandless, real name apparently, the narrative follows the bizarre life of oversexed, volatile Bella Baxter, an emancipated woman and a female Frankenstein. If you're going to be anything, that's those two things. Bella is not her real name. As Victorian Blessington, she drowned herself to escape her abusive husband, but a surgeon removed the brain from the fetus she was carrying and placed it in her skull, resuscitating her. Good grief. The revived Bella has the mental age of a child. Engaged to marry McCandless, she chloroforms him and runs off with a shady lawyer who takes her on a whirlwind adventure. Hopping from Alexandria to Odessa to a Parisian brothel, there it is. As the brain matures, Bella develops a social conscience, but her rescheduled nuptials to Archie are cut short when she is recognised as Victoria by her lawful husband, General Sir Aubrey Blessington. That sounds nuts. It sounds crazy, and it also now sounds like I don't need to watch the film. (laughs) 
Yeah, that, I just told you everything that, that happens. That's it. That, that uh, sounds like, oh, okay, okay, that, well, that explains it all for me then. That's cool. It's, I can see why it's related to Frankenstein, but I don't see how it's really related to Frankenstein yeah. at the same time. It was first published back in 1992, so I think the statute of limitations for spoilers is gone, but still... <laughs> I mean, it says the memoirs, 19th century Glasgow physician. So does that mean we're going to get some nice Glasgow and Scottish accents and film? That's what we want. Yeah, I hope so. But it has to be someone that's never even been to Scotland. I'm looking forward to Bella's Frankenstein-style Scottish accent. Yeah. <laughs> or Emma Stone's. Or what will probably be not yeah. <laughs> a Scottish accent. Yeah. So that's Frankenstein. I don't really have much to say about that. It just sounds kind of nuts and I kind of want to see it. I'll give it a go. Yeah, why not? On the monster front, is this what the dark universe is becoming now? These backgrounds? That would be amazing. Just <laughs> all these <laughs> mental things uniting to do something. Nomadland director Chloe Zhao is tackling the classic universal monster Dracula as a writer, producer and director of a new take on the character in the vein of futuristic sci-fi western. Because what have we not done with Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> That's all it says. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like. I still want the sequel to Dracula Untold, but they're never going to make it because I'm the only person that likes it. This sounds like another one of those ones where we could do the 50-50. True <laughs> or false? <laughs> I know. Uh, we're missing out. That is a podcast we need to do at some point. We're going to pick some news items. We're going to do this. We're going to play games. And we'll do games and we'll talk about some rumours, which ones are true or false, and we can make up some stuff. And the truth will be stranger than fiction, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. If this week's news is anything to go by, then yeah, I'd definitely end up making it too placid. I can't wait to watch the scene where Dracula tries to ride off into the sunset and then combusts. <laughs> Maybe you should have waited a few minutes, Dracula. <laughs> Although you won't be able to say anything because he'd be dust. But that's how they solve yeah. the problem. You need to look epic riding off into the sunset and then he does and combusts. <laughs> then he just bursts into flames. It'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the sci-fi element of it as well. Not just a Western, but a sci-fi Western. <laughs> so it'll be, I don't know, what's a sci-fi Western? Firefly? Maybe not like that. Yeah, I suppose you're looking at stuff like that. Cowboy you Bebop, go. I guess? I don't know. Something like that? True. True. I'm trying to think of how... <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I'm overthinking this. I'm definitely Maybe so. This. I'm just trying to picture, yeah. I mean, it would just be, yeah. <laughs> it would just be I'm getting really frustrated at being unable to unlock his phone using uh, Face ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't see you. So I don't, don't appear on camera or what. Yeah. The lift doors won't open for you because facial recognition. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. Just lots of them walking into automated doors that refuse to open for him because <laughs> it doesn't see him as being there. He always needs to like sneak in behind someone Then he turns into a bat with metal wings for some reason. I just like a really fed up Dracula where he's been around for years and years and years and years and years and he's just really fed up. Well, Dracula Untold ended with him in the modern day and then he saw a woman that looked exactly like his wife back in the day and then Charles Dance turned to the camera and said, let the games begin or something like that. <laughs> and then they didn't. They never began. It's actually quite similar to Charles Dance's ending of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, where he says, he doesn't say something similar, but it's that kind of idea where he's doing something in the background. That's what Charles Dance does, apparently, just hangs around the background and says ominous stuff. Maybe he'll be in this <laughs> as a vampire again. Maybe he'll be Dracula. Yeah, why not? Why not? And next up, Matrix 4. The title may have leaked. 
in a now-deleted Instagram post. It was titled as The Matrix Resurrections. This is possibly leaked by the hairstylist in Germany. <laughs> I don't know how real it is. Matrix Resurrections is as good a title as any. They're missing a trick by not saying The Matrix Rebooted, aren't they? <laughs> well, did they have Reloaded the last time? So I suppose Rebooted? Yeah, they had Reloaded Revolutions. So this is Resurrections. So Rebooted might be next time. Rebooted, rebooted. Yeah. should be first, though. Reinitialized? That's crap. Reinitialized works. Rewound, if you were kind of taking it back in time, yeah. if you were trying to like reset something that's went wrong. Yeah. That'd be quite cool, maybe. The Matrix uh, reformatted. <laughs> reformatted. <laughs> now available on USB. Other computing terms. I don't know. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about them going back to the Matrix. I really like the first one. I thought the first film was fantastic. I think the concepts and everything they introduced were really interesting. And then they did two follow-ups, apparently. They thought about it, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think that there was a glitch where apparently they existed for a moment in time. And then like that Instagram post, they got deleted. The Matrix deleted, they could call it. <laughs> the Matrix deleted. The Matrix, we've yeah. turned it off and on again. The Matrix, <laughs> battery's low. <laughs> the ba- batteries are low. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose with the batteries in the Matrix, you don't want the batteries to be getting low. Then yeah. it's a really grim future, isn't it? But yeah, I've got mixed feelings. They either got them coming back because they've got a really good idea and are a really interesting concept and they've managed to convince everyone, no, seriously, we should definitely do this because we've got something and it's going to be great. We've come up with all these ideas. Or they've went, oh, we've not done something with that property yeah. in a while. We really should do something with it. And Keanu Reeves is hot right now, so yeah, let's get him back. Let's get them all back somehow. Yeah. Mm. So that's that. I don't have much more to say about a film that I know nothing about. Yeah. Quick one, another release date, September 3rd, the Resident Evil reboot with Robbie ML, etc. is going to be out. Cool. I'm looking forward to this. Despite everything I said about The Last of Us, for some reason Resident Evil is more appealing to me as a concept to see on the big screen. Or the small screen, or whatever screen I'm going to watch it on. I don't yeah. know why, I just am a bit more interested in seeing that than I am The Last of Us. And it's coming out this year. They wrapped production on it recently. So that's that. Something to look forward to, perhaps. Here's something perhaps not to look forward to. We're getting three movies based on ridiculous children's toys or games. So we're getting a Rubik's Cube movie, which is insane. Rubik's Cube movie and game show in development from Hyde Park Entertainment Endeavour content. The film details, which are still sparse, will be produced by people. Meanwhile, the game show will be executive produced by the same people. What is a Rubik's Cube movie going to be about? I don't know. The only thing I can think of with a Rubik's Cube movie is the people who came up with the Rubik's Cube, the movie. (laughs) It's people workshopping this. We've got some colours, we've got some cubes. What do we do? We've got cubes, we've got coloured stickers, we've got this gizmo that lets us rotate them all on an axis what are we going to do with this people and then some bright spark goes oh my god we can make a cube out of this and it'll be our fun game to play i don't know i don't know what they're going to do with it i really really don't it's the same all these things they've got tetris as well on the list there i don't which is currently being filmed in aberdeen (laughs) really in aberdeen (laughs) wow yeah, I was getting on to that. That's happening. It's filming now. I've spoiled your funds there because I just read the word Tetris and I went, really? Yep. For the listeners of the podcast, I'm looking at the live screen of the agenda 
for the podcast so I can see Craig's cursor moving up and down. And I'm convinced that he's now putting stuff in here to just pretend <laughs> it's real and confuse me. But no, there's links for everything. But yeah, it's a really good scam, everyone. It's a really good scam that he's got rolling on here. The deadline are letting me write for them for this joke so I can wind you up <laughs> on a podcast. It's a lot of effort to go through, but it's well worth it. Rubik's Cube movie, I've got no idea. What was the one they did a few? Pixels? Was it Pixels that was Ugh. called a few years yeah. ago? With the aliens that looked at the video games and yep. then did things like that? i got no idea. Do you do something like that with a Rubik's Cube? I, I don't understand. I don't know. They made the Lego movie work, but Lego was about imagination and creativity. Whereas Rubik's Cube is about you're bored and it's a rainy day and you're off school and you've got a Rubik's Cube. That's what that is. And you never solve it. So you always get it mixed up to such a point where you will never solve it. Or at least I didn't. I've got a Rubik's Cube somewhere that has been unsolved for decades. Oh, there's Rubik's Cubes that have got weird axes and all sorts of things. They are ridiculous. There's ones with umpteen different sides and all sorts. That's very weird. On a strange thing that I've been watching, tangent that Craig will no doubt delete from the actual podcast, there's a guy on Twitch who does Rubik's Cube solving. And when you earn enough points on his channel by watching, you can throw little hurdles in his way. So you can make him solve it with one hand behind his back. You can make him do it wearing oven gloves. You can do it. So, yeah, anyway, I've had too much time on my hands, but anyhow. That's the game show, isn't it? They're just going to use that. That's your game show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It would work. Give me the link for that and I'll put it in the show notes. That sounds quite fun. It feels like I will get caught up in that. Okay, all right. I'll need to remember to send that to you. Okay, uh, Rubik's Cube Twitch. Yeah, that sounds quite fun, actually. <laughs> sounds ridiculous. I quite like it. On to the Tetris one, though. Rubik's Cube, no idea. There's no details on it. But it seems the Tetris movie is about the story about the game coming into existence. It's got Taron Egerton in it. And it's directed by John S. Baird. So that's something, I guess. Edgerton is playing Henk Rogers, the Dutch video game designer who first secured the rights to distribute Tetris on consoles, where it found popularity. He was heavily involved in the dispute that arose over the franchise copyright in the 1980s. Noah Pinkpound screenplay. Matthew Vaughn's company is financing it. Apple have bought it, I guess. It's, hap- it's happening. It's filming up the road, relatively speaking, from where we are right now. So that's something. I guess if it's the story of it, I mean, something like The Social Network, but with Tetris. Okay, I can see something with that. Yeah, and that's almost going back to what I said about the Rubik's Cube, isn't it? It's uh, like an origin, creative process kind of movie, and how do people come up with these things? What does the release of it mean? And with a lot of these people that created different games or methods, what they created was then owned by the company, so they don't really get anything back off it, and that kind of conflict, yeah. Interesting enough. On that vein, we've got Uno, rapper Lil Yachty, I think that's how you pronounce it, is developing an action heist comedy based on Uno. Yes, the card game says Variety with Mattel Films. Marcy Kelly wrote the screenplay for the movie set in the underground hip-hop world of Atlanta because when I think the Uno card game, I think the underground hip-hop world of Atlanta immediately. Though the cast has not been announced, Lil Yachty is being eyed for the lead role. (laughs) I played Uno as a kid and still do today, says Lil Yachty. So to spin that into a movie based on the Atlanta hip-hop scene I come out of is really special. It hits close to home for me. Well, 
you can't argue with a passion project like that. I just trying to imagine how it's going to relate to that card game that I've played like twice when I was younger. Again, you're off school sick, you're at your grands, you play things like Uno and Monopoly and stuff like that. The Monopoly movie, that's got to be coming soon, hasn't it? <laughs> that was the big short, was it not? <laughs> Basically, yeah. But no, it's going to be Pasco and whatever. These are being made. Yeah. <laughs> These are things. True or false, listeners? Yeah, okay. I don't know. I do like the statement, though, of, oh, I've always played, and to have it combined with one of my other twin passions is fantastic. I would like to read the alternate statement, which is that game. Oh, I've never played it. Got no idea. <laughs> I hadn't been shown it until I signed the deal for this thing. Anyway, it's out soon. <laughs> yeah. So those are being made. Chew on that. Next up, Velma Dinkley, the Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. gang's resident smarty is getting her own series. Mindy Kaling will executive produce and voice the lead in Velma, a comedic origin story about the unsung and underappreciated brains of the iconic mystery-solving squad. It's going to be an adult-spun TV series, whatever that means as an animation, a bit of swearing in it, I guess. I think that's fine. I'm going to be watching that, I suppose. I like the Scooby-Doo stuff. Mindy Kaling's a good voice for Velma. I think she's talented as well in terms of the stuff that she writes and so on. So I don't see any issues with this. Yeah, I don't see why not. It seems a weird little spin-off, but why not? Proof of the pudding is a neating, is it? Yes. Another thing we're getting, we're getting a face-off sequel. I don't know why the dramatic pause. I was going to say (laughs) reboot or remake, but basically it came out that there was going to be a a remake or a reboot. And then the director decided we can't do that. People will go nuts. Said, don't worry, guys, we're making a direct sequel. But the thing is, I've always wondered why that concept was only done once, because you have Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, two of the biggest star personalities at the time, pretending to be each other. And in some scenes, pretending to be the other person, pretending to be them. It's just just lunacy. But we don't really have people like that now in our modern filmmaking stuff. People like that with big enough personalities to carry something like that. I mean, what would they do? Would it be like Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet because there are no other actors in Hollywood? Or could we get Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman? That would be kind of funny. Or be something like Scarlett Johansson and Charlize Theron possibly i don't know the rock and well no one's as big as the rock but they could just do that the rock's face is on a much smaller body i don't know (laughs) (laughs) if they can get travolta and cage back and they get to do this again for some reason or it's the kid is all grown up and he's a lunatic (laughs) because of what happened in the first film i don't know face off is a weirdly bad film but it's a weirdly hilariously bad film because of just who's in it and how insane it is I'm going to have to admit to have never seen Face Off. I've got no idea. So I'm for a sequel because I've not seen the first one. And if it's getting a sequel, it means I should now watch the first, I guess. Just watch it anyway, just for the utter lunacy that is the two of them. Oh, yeah, definitely. But this seems long overdue. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. But it's happening now. So we're getting it. We could just spend the next half hour listing actors that could swap faces. Let's not do that. Maybe some other time. Well, because we're casting him and everything else, we need to find uh, someone to go opposite Neil McDonald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're putting him in everything else. So. He'd be a good body match for Neil McDonough, and who would have a big enough personality? Answers on a postcard. I wouldn't read them, but put the answers on a postcard. Thinking like a Jim Carrey and Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, something like that, I suppose. Yeah. People with sort of comedic personas. I don't know. So many possibilities, yet so little possibilities. 
bit of good news. We're in need for something really wholesome in our lives. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket. But don't worry, guys. Paddington 3 is in development. The first two films, I defy you to watch those films and not coming out feeling uplifted in the extreme. They are both amazing and they're making a third one. Apparently there's forward momentum on the project, according to Hugh Bonneville, and that it was somewhere on the horizon. That's as good a confirmation as you're going to get, but it has to happen. I love the two films. If you haven't seen them, watch them as soon as we finish recording. Yeah, I heard an interview with Hugh Bonneville recently. Was it on the Zoe Ball Breakfast Show on Radio 2? It was not. It was on another podcast, which I will not name. (laughs) And he said that it was in the works and he had heard that they were working on it, but that they weren't going to release anything until they had a script and a story that they were 100% happy with because the other two films are so beloved. They're not wanting to rush something out just so they have something out which is actually the best way to be about the project if they're not getting pressured to throw something together really quick. Mm. Yeah. And I think he also said something along the lines of getting the bear out of its trailer would be a bit tough. Well, yeah, I love the first two films. I'm all for a third one. Paul King's going to be directing that unnecessary Wonka thing that might have Tom Holland or Timothy Chalamet in it. <laughs> like I said, there's no other actors in Hollywood. So we have to wait until they're finished before we can make this other thing. <laughs> and, and then they can be in face-off. that's what's happening in less good news at least for me J.J. Abrams is developing a darker reboot of Constantine for HBO Max with a TV series the character set to be cast as a diverse lead a departure from the one played by Matt Ryan in the NBC series and who now appears on Legends of Tomorrow we're getting Constantine we already have a perfect Constantine he's on Legends of Tomorrow and it's J.J. Abrams I don't like J.J. Abrams and I don't want him sticking his fingers into anything else I like so and uh, do not like, don't want this. Yeah, it doesn't seem necessary, but I guess they've got the right, so they're going to do it. JJ's name being attached to it, it doesn't put me off in the same way as it does with you, but it doesn't seem necessary as a thing. But maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll do something really interesting with it. As long as it means that we don't get rid of Matt Ryan because people might get too confused then they can make it and I just don't have to watch it. Yeah, that's the worry, isn't it? That they turn around and go, oh, you can't use that character anymore because yeah. we're using him. Yeah. Well, well, tough. This guy looks like the drawing and he's good in the role, so go away. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I don't have anything else to say on that. Next up is Edgar Wright is going to be developing and directing a new adaptation of The Running Man, the futuristic novel by Stephen King, where there was a adaptation number of years ago starring Arnie that was similar to the book in that they shared the same title and little else but it was a good fun Arnie movie that would have been utterly unwatchable if Arnie hadn't been in it I think if it's going to be adapting the book in a different way and it's Edgar Wright doing it I'm all for this I wonder if we can get Arnie in in some way because I like seeing Arnie and stuff until he appears in it and I'm like oh why did they dig him out for that that didn't work other than something like the latest Terminator film, which is criminally underrated as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, it's just going to be another adaptation of The Running Man. And it's not a cult classic, well, I suppose it is a cult classic, but it's not a classic that's untouchable. And there's still a book there that can be adapted in a different way. So I'm okay with that, actually. And I like Edgar Wright. I've not read the book either, by the way. I've not read tons of Stephen King. My sister bought me the book, The Institute, from a Christmas, and I read it, and it was very, very good. So I'm kind of wanting to go through and read a lot more Stephen King stories. So 
yeah, I'm interested in this. It might be pretty cool. And Edgar Wright doesn't do a bum steer, really. I don't think I've seen something of his that I haven't liked, actually. So, yeah. We'll see. Again, we'll see. But I think it'll be good. I'm going to finish up with a little bit of Star Wars news. Rumour has it that actor Mina Masood, who played Aladdin in Aladdin, the live-action Guy Ritchie guy. Which which one's the director? Guy Ritchie, isn't it? I get Guy Ritchie and Guy Pierce confused. Guy Ritchie. Yeah, we'll go with that. He was in that as Aladdin. He was decidedly underwhelming as Aladdin in that. The film was decidedly underwhelming. But he might be playing Ezra Bridger, who is the Star Wars Aladdin in the Ahsoka TV series that they're making. That makes sense, I guess. We've got a character that was a street rat. He was loosely based on Aladdin, but in Star Wars. So we're going to get Aladdin to play him. Yeah, I suppose so. I haven't seen Aladdin. I haven't seen him in anything else. I hope to see Ezra in live action, I suppose. Yeah. I always debate these things. It's do you want to see this character in live action or not? And I'm going to go with okay, sure. If you want to know what he thinks of seeing characters in live action in Star Wars that were once animated, listen to the Mandalorian podcast that's totally on your feed right now. Yeah, it's totally there. You should check. In fact, you should have listened to it before this if you're wanting to listen to everything in order. Or if you're like us and you listen to the stuff out of order, then cool. <laughs> and if you've already listened to it, listen to it again. Then you'll get to refresh your memory as to what Chris thinks of seeing live action characters who were once cartoons. Mm, in detail. Yes. In excruciating detail. I don't know how excruciating it is. I've not actually <laughs> listened because I wasn't there. So I don't even know. So it might not be that excruciating detail because Aaron might have completely cut me out of the podcast. So we'll find out. Indeed, he has to prepare the Patreon Chris free cut as well. So <laughs> there is no Patreon. It's the tier level that everyone wants. We're preparing for it. I'm just going through all the podcasts that you're on and just cutting you out of them just to make sure that we can offer that for a five or a month. You don't have to hear Chris's voice ever again. Even I'd pay that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Last bit of Star Wars news. Confirmed as Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is apparently still happening. It's just that he's really busy right now, guys, with other projects, and we'll get onto it as soon as he can. Honest. That's a good sign. I like Ryan Johnson. I like when he does Star Wars, and I want to see more of it. So assuming it still happens, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's good news, because I was worried. There's all the rumour mill and everything like that of, oh, it's not a thing anymore. And I'm like, no, actually, I, I hope it is. So I'm glad to hear that, because we've got, is it Taika who's doing a film as well, or is that a TV show? Have I made that up in my head? I think it was a film, maybe. I have no idea. It was a film as well. There are film things happening in Star Wars future, which is good. I was worried that it was going to suddenly drop into a lot of TV only, but hearing that some films are still in the works is good news. Yeah, just it'll take a while. Just a quick check of the internet to make sure we've not missed anything that's been revealed. Kevin Feige said WandaVision Season 2 is possible. That's the last thing, I suppose. That's just hot off the press. Surely you don't say that until the show's finished, Kevin. That seems like bad timing, Kevin. He did say, <laughs> this is his exact quote, I've been at Marvel too long to say a definite yes or a definite no to anything. Lizzie Olsen will go from WandaVision to the Doctor Strange film. Oh, by the way, guys, she's also related to the Olsen twins, in case you didn't know. Because apparently that was a thing <laughs> yesterday. People just realised that she was <laughs> she was related to the Olsen twins. <laughs> he didn't actually say that part. I added that. Um, I'm misquoting him. He's going to cut my funding. It makes sense. It does seem weird for him to go, yes, we could do it. Although he does then put the caveat of everything is possible. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, he said, I'm not saying yes or no to anything. So he's not really saying anything. He's not said yes. <laughs> he's not said no either. Yeah. yeah. But you win, digital spy. I fell for it. Sorry. 
<laughs> I, I fell for the clickbait headline. Damn it. Well, I didn't fall for it. I wanted to find out the truth. And I was justifiably punished for clicking on it. So there we go. So that's us. We made it through our list of news in February. And by the time this releases, there'll be a bunch of other stuff that we didn't get to talk about. But it'll be in the March roundup. Who knows what will be in March? I'll be possibly there with someone else talking about what happened across March. But on that, do you have anything that we didn't mention that you noticed on your scouring of the internet that we didn't talk about that you just want to throw in sort of last minute? If I was really quick, I would like make up four different things <laughs> for the end of this podcast, but I'm not that quick, so I'm just going to have to admit no. Okay, so we covered all the news. That's good. Every bit of entertainment nerdy news. Every news. All of the news crammed into just one digestible podcast. Four-hour podcast. Yeah. It's shorter than the Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, we're fine. Right, cool. Well, thanks very much for joining to talk about our opinions on stuff that isn't out yet. It's been a fun discussion, just speculating and hating on stuff that we're not watching or might never watch or will come out and that we decide not to watch. So that's fun. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Neil Stenson for the supplied music as an intro and an outro. It's playing us out shortly or now, depending on how long the end piece that I select in the future is. If you want to catch up with us on social media, you can get us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, and you can find us on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. You can leave comments on there. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcast, really. If you are on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, you can leave us a star rating and a comment. Apparently it feeds the algorithm, and we're all about feeding algorithms. So, positive or negative if you hated it, leave us one star. If you liked it, leave us five stars. Either way, just chuck us something with that. If you want to chuck us a few quid in the donate box on neobeforeblog.co.uk, you can also feel free to do that, but feel free not to. Many people do. Many people feel free not to do that, so you can join them if you want. Upcoming podcasts include a deep dive on Man of Steel ahead of the Snyder Cut. We've got an Expanse podcast due whenever Chris finishes editing it. Whenever that is, eh Chris? It'll never be done. It'll never be done. It's never going to be released. What will happen is one of the people involved in that podcast will die and we'll release it as a tribute to them. That's what we'll do. Turns out the greatest Expanse podcast was the one that we had inside of us all along. Sometimes the Expanse is just the friends you make along the way. <laughs> I managed to tailspin us out of a morbid finish into a more positive finish, so I'm going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, we hope you'll join us on Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Pod.